Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to episode five. Today, we have a very juicy topic. This one prompts a lot of discussion, and this is how to cope when your boss is a micromanager. And just the word micromanager often provokes a reaction because people hate the idea of being micromanaged. People can often relate to it because most people have experienced it in some form at some point, if not now. It is one of the most frustrating situations to be in. So, Pam... What's been your experience? Have you have a ha- ever been micromanaged? I've had that delight. Yes, I've had a delightful micromanager. <laughs> yeah, and it's a really difficult situation to be in. And I think at some point, most people have been in that situation. And the first thing that you do in that situation is you think, this is about me. Um, maybe I'm not that good at my job. Why are they all over me? Why don't they trust me to get on with it? And I think in the particular situation that I was in, I took it really personally at first and it was getting to the point where I was just not enjoying going into work. I was finding it really upsetting because I was like, I know I'm good at my job. I'm working at a senior management level. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I deliver is really good. I know that other people think it's really good, but I can't do anything to impress him. I can't get him off my back. He is literally following me around, checking my work changing everything so it was kind of like one day kind of just sitting there thinking how am I going to deal with this and then I just thought right what does he want from me what am I not giving him that he needs in order to feel like he can just let me get on with it and do what I need to do so I started exploring what's going on for him what is making him feel like this and when I started getting under the skin of it there was a lot of insecurities on his part. He was so worried about dropping a ball. He was so worried about being humiliated. He had this real need for the team to be the A-star team. We had to be the best. We could never drop a ball. We had to be seen to be doing everything. So he was going almost like above and beyond, you could call it, to make sure that every single member of the team was performing. But actually what he was doing was he was demotivating us and he wasn't getting the best from us and it was such a difficult situation to be in at first because it was like you want the best from us they're just not giving us any space to breathe and we can't work like that so then what I realized is he whereas I always say I'm like a big chunk person I like the big details and the strategy and the real detail that's not my bag but he was a real detail person so then I was like right okay that's interesting now realize that because I'm looking at everything from a strategic let's get this delivered point of view and he wants to make sure that every little single detail is covered even the detail people are not interested in do you know so it was like right what does he need so then I started changing the way that I created the status reports to make sure that 
it was written in a way that he could really understand that he didn't need to then question me. It was all there, links to all the documents and the files and everything that he needed. Everything was presented to him. And as the weeks went on, there was less and less, where's this, what's that, where are you up to? Because he had everything there. And then eventually, once he did start relaxing a little bit, and then he would start asking me, why are you doing the report in this way? And we started building that trust. At some point, he even told me that I'm giving him too much. (laughs) You can't win with some people, but it was a good conversation starter because then I was able to say, look, when we first started working together, I don't think we were really seeing eye to eye and I felt a lot of pressure. And he was saying, well, no, I think you're really good at your job. And it was the first time that we'd had that open and honest conversation And it was the first time where we kind of found some common ground. And then I was like, I just need to know what you need to feel like you've got that trust in me. And eventually we worked so well together. And I was like, this right hand girl. And we delivered so much stuff together. And it was great to see that relationship change, but it was difficult for him and it was difficult for me. But finding that common ground, I think really helped us. I think in the early days, when you feel micromanaged, the temptation is for the frustration to bubble to the surface. That's the first thing that you often feel. Why is this person on my back? Why are they going through my reports with a red pen? Why are they checking in on me to check whether I've set the meeting up? All of those things just really feel or tend to feel really frustrating. I do a lot of work with smaller companies where they're founder-led and this is such a common complaint for leaders in founder-led companies and founders often have been in the weeds at some point they started their business they've built it from the ground up and they've at some point done every role so they feel like they know how to do every role and there's often that frustration of you feel that you've been brought in for your expertise and what you can contribute but you don't feel free to contribute and that's something that my clients suffer with a lot and I think it's great advice to start to understand what would give that person the trust what would allow them to feel that they can trust me I think another one that's really interesting I'm intrigued to see whether this comes up with you on the job search side of what you do because I cannot cope with the idea of being micromanaged. Autonomy is a really high value for me. And I have dodged a bullet more than once because at interview, that's something that I'm really clear on or was really clear on when I was employed. I remember a situation where I was being interviewed by an MD who wanted a summary each day of where had I been? What had I identified? What would I do about it? And to him, that wasn't micromanaging. And to me, it was my worst nightmare. It was kind of, no, what you want then is essentially eyes and ears as if you had been out there doing it and you want me to tell you that level of detail. And that for me, that relationship is is never going to work. So I think on the job search side, it's also really important to understand and read the signs rather than get so caught up on your job search and trying to get somewhere that you end up in a situation where you might be micromanaged. Yeah, definitely. And that is always something that I will say to clients when we're going through the prep. You need to ask, well, 
got leadership styles. You need to ask the day-to-day running of the team and expectations of the manager because you can find out a lot. And there's been situations where clients have gone through the whole interview process. They love the company, but then actually when they start questioning the line manager around management styles and ways of working, they actually find out that it's not the way that they want to work. And I've seen clients back out from interviews because they've questioned and I think that is how it should be because I think most people go into interviews and think right my only goal here is to get the job offer that is my only goal but actually your goal is to find out more about the company to see if you gel with your line manager and to really understand if it is the right role for you and it's an opportunity a lot of people waste they don't go in with that mindset and it's absolutely okay to go through an interview process and say that line manager is not somebody that I think I could work for so on that basis I'm pulling out and then you continue job search and you find a role with a manager and a company that you know you would feel comfortable working with and I think as well reflecting on what you shared from your experience one of the things that a lot of people don't necessarily, because that frustration is what bubbles to the surface first, is that sometimes if you are in that situation, it's easy not to think about or not to have empathy for where your manager is at. And I think it's really interesting that you describe that process of understanding their motivations and how their drivers were good, their intentions were good. They wanted an A-star team. They wanted you to be presented well to the rest of the business but the actions that they took resulted in you being demotivated so how did you keep that empathy in that situation I think once I started really thinking about it rather than taking it personally and thinking this is all about me it was like what can I learn from this situation because this is going to happen again in the future. So what can I learn from this situation? How can I have the difficult conversations now and really learn from them? But being with that company in a number of different roles, it was it was a safe space. It wasn't like they were going to fire me for having difficult conversations with the manager, but it was it got to the point where it was like, I need to understand him. I need to understand what's going on going on for him and he had aspirations to progress in that company so he didn't want to put a foot wrong at all he wanted to make sure that he was never in the redundancy pool that he was that he was progressing he was getting the pay rises so he basically needed a team that was going to make him look good that was behind it all that's what it was and for the majority of senior management there's always going to be an element of that they need the team to make them look good so then you decide what does that look like for me? How can I have empathy for their career aspirations while still working towards mine? And I think once you separate that, I'm going to take it personally that they're micromanaging me and think, well, okay, they've got a similar agenda to me. So what can I do to help them that's going to then help me? Because the more things that I do to alleviate their fears, gain the trust, and then freed up to do more stuff to contribute in more ways and be trusted to contribute which then puts me into the limelight which means that I've got more chance of those internal promotions and all of that kind of stuff so I think that was for me where I was just like right I need to think about this a little bit differently because if I don't like at one point I was actually searching for new jobs because I was like 
I can't cope. He is all over me. I can't breathe. I can't move. I'd go for a cup of tea and he'd be there. Like, hi. It was almost like he had like some like Pam CCTV or something. And like, I'd go out to the car park to my car to get something from the car and he'd be there. Hi, Pam. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I literally cannot move for this guy. You know, what is going on? But, you know, he was just trying to do his best. And once I, realize that and once I realized some of his insecurities and what he was trying to do it was easier for me to work with him and that is the way I handled it at the time and I think it can also relate to certainly this is something I've seen where if that person has had situations you might be really competent you might be really experienced you might have loads to contribute but if that person is used to managing people who are less experienced or who are not as diligent or who don't perform to the same level then it can also just be a habit in their behavior it's how they've had to operate with different people or different teams that they've managed in the past and I've certainly seen that where people have come into maybe had a new manager who's come in and they're kind of like, I just don't get this person is micromanaging us. We're a really experienced team. You know, we know what we're doing and they're just driving us all nuts. Yeah. And often that's because where they've been, that's what's worked for them before, or they might feel that that's what worked for them, whether, whether their previous <laughs> team would agree might be a different matter. Yeah. But it's It can also just be habit. And if they've worked with less experienced teams before, then that often kind of comes with them into a new role. Yeah, I think it's useful to understand what's driving it, where is it coming from, before you think about how to tackle it. And this is all the stuff that we talk about, taking ownership of your career. Not always easy, and certainly being micromanaged is not easy, but (laughs) it's it's useful to have strategies to work around it. What would be your top takeaway tips then? So I think the top three takeaways from this would be really start by understanding what's going on. You might not be able to do that straight away, but over a period of time, really get under the skin of what's going on for your manager. Why are they behaving in this way? or Why might they be behaving in this way? And then really having that empathy for them, seeing things from their point of view. And trying to work with them rather than against them, which will include changing how you operate. So number two would be you can't change the way they lead, but you can change the way you react and the way that you lead and the way that you operate. So you can definitely make those changes to make life easier for you, make life easier for them. And ultimately, number three is going to be by doing that, build that trust take it to the point where you've got that real trust that you've got the freedom to do what you need to do and operate in the way that you want to operate by gaining that trust. So they're probably the top three that I would say in terms of micromanagement. Love it. Yeah, that that building the trust. I remember reading Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And that was a real light bulb moment for me was just the simplicity of saying, if you want to be trusted, be trustworthy because that's how you build trust and it's so incredibly simple and so bloody hard to do when your boss is micromanaging you because <laughs> the last thing you want is to have to earn their trust but if you take ownership and do it then the results can be so worthwhile yeah definitely well moving on to our career clinic section 
today. We've got a really good question. So I'm going to ask you this one today, Jackie. What's the best way to handle my manager who is less experienced than me and is constantly pointing out things that I'm doing wrong? So they've tried to put them on a performance improvement plan, but this manager was unwilling to put any tangible targets in place. So he's expressed his concerns and the manager has decided to put the performance talks on hold, but he's asking, should he speak with HR? So, and this is the, not the manager, this is the person who's been sort of threatened with the performance improvement plan that's asking. Yes. So this is the person who probably a really good one for this one, actually, because they're probably being micromanaged right now. <laughs> so I guess a couple of things I noticed from that, that firstly, the performance improvement plan so having having a manager who is trying to put you on a performance improvement plan but isn't able to give you tangible outputs from that for me would probably suggest that this is a manager who perhaps isn't that experienced or isn't able to articulate what they want and expect and one of the things that I talk to leaders a lot about is that you've got to create clarity of expectations when you're leading others. And that's sometimes easier said than done. So it sounds as if the manager actually does need some support in this case because they're not articulating the expectations. For the person that's on the receiving end of that, that is a horrible situation to be in because you, going back to what we were just saying about trust, you don't feel trusted. You feel like you're doing the best you possibly can you feel like that person doesn't have your back, which is a horrible place to be. And it sounds as if that manager just isn't able to actually articulate or express what they expect. So they're telling you you're not doing a good enough job, but they're not telling you what a good job looks like. And I think what often happens with this is there is that question of, should I speak to HR? And particularly when you're in a management or leadership position yourself, there's that hesitation because you kind of feel like I don't want to be a I don't want to be a problem child. I feel like I should be able to sort this out. I should be able to manage that relationship with my manager myself. And so it is a really tricky situation. It does sound to me as if really probably it is the time to to get some somebody else involved because it if you've tried to deliver what you think they're expecting and they're telling you that you're not meeting that expectation but they can't really tell you what is then it's unlikely if you've already been through that process that that's going to resolve itself. So while it might feel uncomfortable to speak to HR, I think it it is worth doing in that instance. And I think what's really important is to try and take some of the emotion out of it. So in these situations, it's natural to feel upset, to feel angry, frustrated, annoyed at your boss for the fact that they've put you in this position. And if you open the conversation with that that's when it can it can feel difficult and when you can then sometimes damage your own reputation because people don't see the facts of the situation they see your response and reaction to it so I would say yes it it probably is worth speaking to HR but before you do that to kind of have a real clear kind of what's happened when has it happened? How have, what have you done to try and resolve it? And also to understand what might you want. And it may not be HR. It may be that there might be a colleague who's also been managed by this person that might be able to give you their take on how they think that you might 
be able to do it. There may be a mentor, somebody senior, who's perhaps a peer of this person who might be. So it's not necessarily going to be HR, but I think it does sound as if you probably do need some outside guidance and support to try and get this. It sounds as if it's not going to resolve itself. I think that is a perfect answer. So moving over to our book review section, this is one of my ultimate favorites. So I think I'm going to talk about this one. We've got The One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. Super easy read. You can literally read it in an hour and a half, but it is the ultimate book for managers who want to empower their employees. And it is based around being able to manage your your people in one minute so one minute sittings in terms of one minute praisings one minute criticisms or providing constructive feedback and empowering people to to get on with the job and then if you spot them doing something really well then you'll go and speak to them about it and give them some real good feedback and if they're doing something wrong then you'll give them that one minute of constructive feedback and you'll deal with it on the spot and then you'll move on and your employees will know exactly where they stand with you I read this when I first started out in management because I went from managing a couple of people to like managing a a department of I think it was 20 people with eight direct reports like literally overnight and that was a book that was recommended to me to be able to empower that workforce and the really really worked for me and every now and again I'll give it another read through because there's always different things that you take from it have you read that one Jackie I have and actually listening to you talking about it is making me want to go back to it (laughs) what I love about this book is that whole one minute piece because very often I think particularly when people are thinking about trying to improve people's performance It feels like it's got to be lengthy one-to-ones, appraisals, annual reviews. And there's this sense of it being kind of a big weight on your shoulders to try and manage sizable teams. And what this does is chunks it down and makes it very doable in short chunks so that you can do that within a meeting, within a conversation. It doesn't have to be put to one side to allocate time to help someone to improve their performance. You can do that with all those tiny one minute interactions that you were gonna have with people anyway. One of the things that I love is it helps people to kind of recognize where there are opportunities to just tweak what they're already doing, change it slightly and get a better result. Yeah, and I think it is really effective. I found it was super effective, you know, rather than saving up all of the negatives to talk about in someone's one-to-one and then leave them feeling really deflated. You get that opportunity to help them to change direction or get back on track. And also, you know, when they're doing something good, you can then acknowledge that as well. And I think that definitely reading that book and then implementing what it taught me worked really well for me and formed the basis of like my early leadership career. So I definitely recommend having a read. It's such a a good little story and will take about an hour an hour and a half maybe to read. Yeah, and and I would definitely particularly recommend it if you, in that situation that you described of, you've maybe had kind of one or two people and you've been able to manage those fine because you work quite closely as a close-knit team and then you get that promotion or you start a new job and suddenly you've got new people or a very sizable team. That's a brilliant point to read this book. That's when you'll get masses and masses of value from it. Yeah, definitely. Well, that wraps us up for today. 
So thank you for joining us. If you have got any topics that you would like us to cover or any questions for the career clinic section, then please do connect with us on LinkedIn. Our profiles are in the show notes and drop us a DM to let us know what you would like us to cover. And if you are enjoying the podcast, then we would absolutely love it if you would give us a review on Spotify or iTunes, because that helps it to get noticed and let other people listen along as well. Thanks for joining us and we'll be back again next week.